You're listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? Not bad. I thought it would be fun today because it's the beginning of the year to talk with my friend and awesome person that I know, let's be honest. Her name is Vivian Armstrong, and she runs Lancy Sky Travel. And she's been doing a year and a day conferences, as well as so many other things, which I'm hoping she'll chat with us about. What do you think? I think that sounds great, because I know you've been doing some stuff with her already. And I think we've mentioned her a couple of episodes ago, maybe one or two. So yeah, I say let's bring this fabulous person on and chat with her about what she's doing and and where she's going. All righty. Let's see if we can get her in. Hello, Vivian. Hello. How are ah, you guys? Good. Hey. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. So, Vivian, would you mind telling us a teeny tiny bit, teeny tiny bit about who you are? And then we'll ask you other questions, which will explain how you got here and all those fun things. Ah, I, I'm a Vivian and I live right outside Atlanta, Georgia. I live right between Athens and Atlanta in a little place called Snellville. And I live with entirely too many cats, guinea pigs and children. Okay, first off, um, before we ask the real questions, guinea pigs? Yeah. Yes, two of them. Oh. Okay, I have to ask, how'd you find them? Because oh. guinea pigs are something that's unusual. You know, cats we expect as people having, mm-hmm. and but guinea pigs. Uh, no, my son loves rodents and animals and little furry things, so he got them for his fifth birthday. Oh. And we've had them ever since, and they, oh. they help. They're our marketing division. <laughs> nice. Because when yeah. I'm sitting writing copy, like everyone thinks I have this glamorous travel job. No, I'm just doing <laughs> spreadsheets like day in and day out. I'll be like, who wrote this formula? This is garbage. And they're like, yeah, it's garbage. Poop on it and run away. So. <laughs> or they'll bring the sheets that, you know, people that you don't want to work with through the little, their little cage and chew on it and, you know, earmark things so that they know. Yeah, I used to have a guinea pig back in the day. Oh. See, things I don't know half the time. Well, I've also had a ferret, too, in college. All right, then. Yeah. So that's amazing. I didn't realize you both had guinea pigs. Now I feel out of the loop. Huh. Well, I know that oh, California's well. got weird issues around, you know, animals. various animals and whatnot. Like, I totally forgot that you guys can't have ferrets down there. No, we can't. Because they're invasive. That is true. Well, anywho. Thank you for taking this side trip with us on Pets. <laughs> Terrorvisions, Pet Edition. Exactly. And so, Vivian, let's just start at the beginning. How did you find paganism? I mean, you live in Athens, Georgia. What started your journey in this whole thing? Well, I grew up out in the country on a farm. And I was feral, and I lived in the woods, and I talked to trees. And like all good farm children, we just lived outside all the time and fended for ourselves. So... You know, I I had animals and I talked to them and I had trees and I talked to them. And then as I got older, I realized like other people do that. And it was just kind of a natural transition. I'd like to say there was some big story, but it was just kind of one of those. Ah, well, you have imaginary friends, too, and leave gifts for trees. Maybe I should do this with other adults instead of doing it on my own. Wow. Okay. I hadn't thought of it that way because... I remember doing that as a kid as well, but not thinking anything of it, not realizing the connection between that and spirituality. Mm -hmm. But then again, traveling to other countries didn't help. So then how did this lead to you creating Land, Sea, and Sky travel? Well, that's a little bit more of a complicated story. Let's see. I have always loved the 
traveling and we traveled quite a bit because we were horse traders and shows and so we did a lot of stateside travel but i was pretty obsessed with travel i had all these three ring binders and i would just collect back when like thursday was the travel day in the newspaper i would clip all the stuff that was relevant and i had different travel books for different countries and and then anytime my parents would take me to the airport mm-hmm. with back when you could you know run around and talk yep. to people and then we run around the airport, I would just run and find like people and I would talk to them until they were like, ma'am, you need to find your mom. Or, you know, <laughs> they'd start paging my parents. I was like, how much does it cost to ride to Amsterdam? And how long does that trip take? And I remember people would bring in their grandparents for like Grandparents Day and one of them came from someplace else. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I was just like, <laughs> hello, Stephen Crimes grandfather. I need to ask you what you wore, what you ate, what your country looks like, what your house looked like, how many doors were there, how many windows, you know. All the questions. These books. So that's kind of my background. Uh, when I was 18, 19, I went on a pilgrimage, my first pilgrimage to Glastonbury, and Ooh. it was absolutely horrible. Aww. It was a, just a complete Aww. disaster um, on all levels. And I had a lot of feedback for the organizers. And they're like, okay, Miss 19-year-old, you know everything. If you can do better at this, why don't you go plan a pilgrimage? And I was like, okay, I will, and there will be toilet paper for you. So there we go. So I planned a pilgrimage, and it was really nice, and there was toilet paper and food and, you know, mm-hmm. basic human necessities. There, there was time schedules for ritual. There was, you know, things like that. Things like you need when you're having a yeah, pilgrimage. Yeah. Toilet paper is a kind of a key thing. Right? Yeah. That's what I thought. I did not think that was me being an American and being spoiled. I have since learned that's not, you know, me being a spoiled American. That's just Glastonbury is off the chain. Okay. So, I planned a pilgrimage. It worked. I did that for a long time for nonprofits to help them with fundraising. That came to an end. And then I kind of got to a space where I needed to either start paying to travel, which was so weird because I had done that for nonprofits for so long. Or I needed to do something. I was kind of struggling because I had left the nonprofit and that was like not a great time. And then, so this is, don't do drugs is going to be the end goal of this. But I did drugs in the hospital. I had a surgery and they gave me a ton of medicine. And I woke up from this procedure and I'm just like, boom, Lancy Sky, the name, the first few trips, the year with the gods. Everything just kind of came out. I was writing on my arm. I was writing on my discharge papers. (laughs) I was just like, I had all these napkins and my friend was like, I don't remember this, but she's like, you're just clutching your napkins. And (laughs) and I just kept kept telling you I wasn't going to throw away your trash. So anyway, I guess a day later when I actually kind of woke up and, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, like you do, I'm like, oh my God, there's garbage everywhere. My friend's like, did you find your trash? Because, you you know, you got... (laughs) I woke up, I had all these notes everywhere, and I read them, and I'm like, hey, you know, this is actually really kind of cool. And so I started putting it together, and then I had a travel agency within a week. That's Um, awesome. Did you actually, within that week, get all the licensing done and everything? Yeah. 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 It was pretty easy. I mean, to be honest, I live in Georgia, so basically you fill out some paperwork and give them 100 bucks, and you're good. (laughs) Wow. That's... Wish it were that easy in California. No kidding. Right. And it's also, I'm the only person. I, I use right. the royal we in mm-hmm. writing because it sounds better, but yeah. it's just me and the guinea pigs and occasionally Chris when Skype won't work. <laughs> gotcha. So. No, that, that makes, that, that's fantastic. So, so then clearly after this epiphany, we'll call mm-hmm. it, 
how did you then make the leap to, okay, well, I'm going to go from being a travel agent to doing the online conferencing? Because I know that you do go to conferences, Mystic South being conferences. one of them and PantheaCon another. Mm-hmm. How did you decide that, no, this is a better thing to do online? What, what inspired that? Well, I do in-person events and I do online events. And one big draw that I've always felt called to is kind of accessibility. Mm-hmm. I know I feel very left out being hard of hearing. It's very hard for me to go to in-person events, especially prior to being able to afford hearing aids. I felt like uh, I have a lot of allergies, so that was hard. And then don't even get me started on what happens when you have a baby in this society yeah. and how you're supposed to just like live in a basement until your baby's full grown. So you know, between all of those, I was just like, huh, I think we can do better at this stuff. And accessibility on all levels, class, everything. So I thought, you know, if I just did an online conference, everybody could come pretty much, you know, or everybody can at least download the audios afterwards Mm -hmm. and listen to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people at least have a library. Even if you don't have internet in your home, you have a library and you can go and download these and put them on your iPods or your phones or whatever. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just wanted to offer some different solutions to folks. And I wanted to apply something that I did not have in my own world. Mm -hmm. So I started Year with the Gods because I have been to a lot of conferences. I've been a devotional polytheist for 20 years, and I wanted to do something that I had not seen happen before, which was a very all in, uh, very specific devotional polytheist conference. I know we have many Gods West, but that was about it. And so I wanted something that spoke to me as a long-term polytheist, not a more generic pagan, which is fine. And I appreciate that there are conferences where you can get a little bit of everything. But I've been doing this a while, so I wanted something that was like going to deepen my relationship with the gods, right? Mm-hmm. And be devotional in nature and to be to be surrounded by folks who agreed the gods have agency or are sovereign beings. And I wanted that kind of community. And then also, I just, you know, as an event organizer for 20 years, I worry about accessibility mm-hmm. for a wide, wide range of folks. I have a lot of accessibility issues myself. And I can't do a lot of conferences, or if I do them, I can't really participate 100%, or it's very frustrating. So I wanted something where almost anybody could participate on some level. And uh, online leads to that pretty well these days. How do you find putting on an online conference different than a real-world conference? Because I know all of us have some experience of putting various conferences or things together. I've never hosted an online conference like you said, accessibility is also really important to me. I'm also hard of hearing. I'm single-sided deaf. And places like PantheaCon, while I enjoy going, you're right, it's hard to sit in a mm-hmm. huge auditorium or something and not be able to hear or have people chatting next to you and whatnot. So is there a difference for putting on an online conference and the scheduling and all that as opposed to a Yes. A you don't have to wear pants for one of them. And that's magical. Ooh. I'm in my pajamas right now. So. Huzzah. Yeah. Uh, that is and, it's, that. It's true. Yeah. Some of it's a little bit easier, but then you get into things like, you know, some of it's harder. There's time zones and scheduling. Mm-hmm. And I want to feature a lot of native voices. And unfortunately, a lot of my friends just that kind of do this kind of work live in these on top of mountains in Wales and in valleys in Ireland and in like thatch cottages and things. So you have to kind of arrange all of that and pre-record and then bring them in. Mm-hmm. And But then other things are easier because, you know, it's online, right? 
If somebody yeah. gets sick, you just ask somebody else to present. Which is nice because, again, if they get asked to present at the last minute, they don't have to bring all of their stuff to the event in case that happens. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. just have to go, oh, turn on my computer, grab my stuff. I'm there. Do you host various classes together like some of the other conferences or is it just one item at a time at specified? It is one item at a time. Though we are having a witchcraft conference come up and it has gone absolutely gangbusters. So we're looking into having different tracks maybe or making it more of a two-day thing or more of a symposium. I'm not sure. All I know is I'm getting emails daily about people wanting to take part in it and people wanting me to bring this person in and that person in and all of it just looks amazing. And I'm trying to figure out how to shove as much of it into one box as possible. I gotcha. And I noticed that you've taken some of this on the road, if you will, because I noticed at looking at the schedules coming up for Lancy Sky Travel, you're going to do the Celtic Sorcery one that you did in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be done in Georgia. And then, of course, there's the also the one that's happening in Connecticut, I want yep. to say. Uh, Massachusetts, how- Western Massachusetts with uh, Morgan Daimler, yep. Yeah. So how did you expand those and how did you make those connections? I mean, I know it's just throw a conference together, but it's not. So what led you to do those specific ones, both coasts, for example, because I know the Celtic sorcery one happened in November. Well, I mean, I've been doing in-person events for 20 years, so it's more like the technology finally caught up that I could start doing online. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been hosting intensives and classes and such in person and cooking at them and things like that, both stateside and abroad for a long time. But the classes I do, it's just kind of I listen to people and I talk to people and I just try to figure out what they're interested in, where they're interested at, and you know, Google Analytics, and then there's always the popular emailing people and asking them what they want. You know, <laughs> if I ho- yeah, if I host a class in Georgia with Morpheus Ravenna, are people interested? Here's kind of a general, like, it's going to be three days. It's going to cost X amount of money. It'll be around Celtic sorcery. And if everyone's like, oh, my God, yes, and people are pinging me and trying to send me money right away before I've even gotten the, the page up, yeah. And I know that's that's a thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, if you know, sometimes I put things out like, I'm going to bring, uh, you know, Laura O'Brien to Georgia and we're going to do a thing. And then it's just like crickets. Uh, I know that's not the venue for it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, for that, if 10 people are like, oh, my God, I wish it was in California. If only if it was closer, I would be there in a heartbeat. Then I knew to host her over there because that was just a better venue. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I talk to people, you know, folks know where their audience are and where their core people are. And and then there's always the gods. I mean, we do, I don't do a lot of divination myself, but I do hire, um, I don't know if you've had her on, Crystal, Crystal Lee with Power Femme Tarot. She's on our list for this year, actually. She's amazing. And she does a lot of readings for me before I do things. Like when I'm like, okay, this is what I'm thinking of doing. She'll do a reading and kind of see. So there is that aspect of gods. I know poor Sally was all excited about going to the Maeve conference. Yeah. Well. The gods were, or the, the Maeve pilgrimages. And Maeve's like, no, not, not, nope. Not yet. Not, not the time. And every time I started working on it, it was just like, nope. <laughs> and the divination for it was like, nope. <laughs> so for so whatever would, reason, mm-hmm. even though that would sell like hotcakes from a marketing perspective. Yeah. It's just not yeah, the time it's not for time. it. 
Right. So that leads into my next question is, so how do you figure out which gods want to speak with you and how, I mean, obviously divination seems to be a, an aspect. What else do you do? And because again, every time, this is the year two of the actual online A Year With Our Gods, and it's not going to be the same, obviously, mm-hmm. because again, you'll have different people. But how do you choose and what's your timing? Well, timing is just kind of, I'm a busy mother. So it's just kind of like, okay, y'all, here's the five dates I have free this year. Who who wants what? So that's sort of it. I also try not to work against folks. So, you know, there's a huge overlap between what I do and what Morgan does and what Morpheus does and Laura. So, you know, Laura does her classes every last Sunday. Yeah. I don't do my, my conferences the same day as her. So it kind of, with timing, it just kind of ends up being what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, with who to work with, you know, there's um, some of the joys of business ownership is I get to be a little selfish. So to be honest, some of them are just, I want to learn more about so-and-so, like uh, the Gallic polytheism. So we're going to have a Gallic polytheism conference. And some of it's I talk to the gods. Mm-hmm. You know, I have um, Maeve is my gatekeeper to right relationship i guess mm-hmm. with with irish pagans and ireland and her people and her gods and all that so i do formal work with her of going to her and being like okay this is what my overview is and then there's also just that when you're sitting there working on stuff mm-hmm. things either work out or they don't and if they don't work out then i definitely pause and i'm like huh why did those why did those three particular files get deleted is this a test or a right a sign. And then I, I love y'all divination folks. Cause if I'm too invested in something and I'm like, no, we're going to have a Mave conference this year by gods. <laughs> I, I can get a second opinion to be like, don't do that because Mave was supposed to be last year as well for the conferences. Hmm. She's like, no, I think you should perfect that before I, I come around. <laughs> You're, you are not practicing upon me for your conference ideas, lady. <laughs> Fair enough. And then there's market. Who wants to learn what? We're specifically having the Morgan conference this year because everybody loved the Morgan conference last year and they wanted to go deeper into her faces. Mm-hmm. We just did more general great queen Morgan and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I want a class on Bive. I want a class on Nevin. I really wish you had gotten into a new. So that's what we do. So there's a little bit of that too. Just I do what y'all tell me to do. Okay. That's so um, nice. Uh-huh. It's nice to hear that the market is also something that's being considered, but Oh yeah. Uh, Cuz who's coming if not the market, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, um last year Nuada was just this every single conference, every time somebody mentioned Nuada in passing, it was like, "Hold on, hold on, I have a question about Nuada." And I'm like, "Okay, y'all, I, I hear you. We will we'll address that next year." Right. So then what influences then the actual pilgrimages? Is it people just coming to you and saying, we would like to do this thing? And then you make it, I mean, I know you do the individual, you make it happens because, well, we'll have that conversation later. (laughs) But how do you decide to do the bigger ones that become the ones that are on your site, for example? It's the same process. It's a little bit of what people are talking to me about. It's a little bit about what my teachers want to teach. It's a little bit about what's kind of seems to be the interest in the community so mm-hmm. I can market it. It's divination, same things, just on just a bigger on a scale. scale. Yeah. So I guess then my next question, 
what is it that inspires you nowadays to travel? Not with everybody else, but you, what inspires you besides your wonderful family? You know, it's just whatever's catching my, catching me. Mm -hmm. I see things and I hear things and I do a lot of visual consumption of media like Instagram and photography and things like that. And I just see things and I, in all these travel communities, so people will talk about stuff. And a lot of times I'm like, eh, eh, eh. and then somebody will talk about an experience they have. And I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. Last year I went to France and mm. I was supposed to be working for a whole week in Paris and doing this really specific task. And it just didn't pan out for a variety of reasons. Mostly I wasn't supposed to be doing that conference. And in the end, it, it worked out really well because it would have been a mess, right? Mm-hmm. But Paris was a little exciting at that time. Uh, Lots of strikes, lots of threats, things like that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to rent a car and go party in the rest of France and just not be in Paris this week because this is just not the week to be in Paris. And I went to one place and then I went to another and then I met people and they're like, oh, you like this museum? You should go to this other museum. You'll love it. So I went to the other museum and at this other museum, I saw (laughs) where these artifacts came from. And I'm like, these are amazing. They're calling to me. I should go to where these were dug up. And if it was mm-hmm. in driving distance, why not just drive down there and see? So oh, wow. a lot of it's just kind of following my my natural interest. I love that. I have a question. So because you started out at the beginning of our podcast describing as a child, you kept all the binders of all the locations and everything. And to me, it sounds like that's everything you've done from there to your spirituality and to all these new trips and everything, the pilgrimages, the Year With Our Gods conferences that you do all kind of blend in together. Do you still have those binders? Do you still keep them or do you still do like a lot of travel journaling? For oh, boy, do I ever. I do not have those specific binders. They just got tore up over the years of being in our old house. Gotcha. But I do keep so many journal-like things, except it's all mm-hmm. digital because I'm on the road so much. I have spreadsheets and folders and collections and emails and a google drive that's like color-coded and alphabetized and like subdivided and i yeah it's very very much so i still do those exact same things except just with tech and you know in a more grown-up way now i think i love that i love that you're still able to do all that as well as pull in all that knowledge from all the trips you've done and still be able to manage the conferences and everything yeah and it all dovetails into each other you know, any research I do, if it's not a conference or if it's, you know, if I start trying to look at a pilgrimage, I'm like, oh, I don't know, this quite isn't coming together. I can do a conference at it. And if I'm trying to put a conference together and we just don't have enough time, well, maybe I want to develop that into a in-person event with somebody. It, it's mm-hmm. all similar enough at the root and the research yeah. part. So which um, hearth cultures do you tend to gravitate more towards? Because I know you've said that you've gone a lot of places around the world. I am a Welsh and Irish polytheist. Okay. I'm been, Gaul has caught my eye, but I would not say that was my path. I think it's just something I enjoy quite a bit. I'm in the uh, Koro Kathbodwa priesthood, and they do a bunch of Gaulish stuff, so there's a little bit of interest there. But I do a lot with the, I've been Welsh polytheist for 20-something years, and then the Ireland stuff came after that, probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay. And how did you find the Welsh stuff in the beginning, just out of curiosity, Um, since bring it back to the beginning of our conversation? I really enjoyed my very, very favorite books growing up with the Pradane Chronicles. 
mm-hmm. which is like the black cauldron and all that to the point where I have a son named Taryn and a guinea pig named Gergi. Like that's kind of the level of mm-hmm. interest I have in those books. And so that's all Welsh mythology. And then when I became a pagan, like kind of joined in pagan society, I was quite young and a lot of pagan society did not feel very safe for me. Mm-hmm. And I ran into a very nice women's group who was doing Welsh polytheism and it felt very safe, very supportive. It was just a little saner, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Even though I was 16 and 17 at the time and doing some crazy crap, I was just kind of like, man, I do not want to be 30 and like living in a tent with no job doing drugs every weekend. Yeah, no. You know, yeah. just that is not my life goal. So I met these women and they had, you know, and I don't want to sound a classist because it's not quite that, but they had jobs and hobbies and interest and follow through and they did things mm-hmm. and they were also not, you know, trying to sleep with me, which was really That's always a plus. Yeah. Or take advantage of me anyway. So I joined that and then that they just happened to do the Welsh stuff, which dovetailed so nicely into my pre-existing interest in Wales and Mm -hmm. all the mythology. You know, obviously from Prydain, I was reading Susan Cooper and there's a lot of young, young adult fiction written in Wales. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of all made sense. It It was a natural jump. Well, I know that you are going to be doing some really exciting stuff this year, but I know really coming up soon, there will be one that is a little surprising to some people, but not to most if they're paying attention. Do you want to talk about that first conference that's coming up uh, around the 19th of January? Oh, the class. Yes. So we do conferences, which are for-profit adventures, even though they have so many scholarships and giving back and things like that. And then our classes are our community outreaches. Ah, okay. And so this is a class. This is our first class. And part of the profits from our conferences and our in-person events and all of our for-profit goes into a special line on our page. And that goes to hosting the classes. So our first class of this year will be on anti-Semitism and Jewishness in the pagan community. And I am super excited about it. And I would love to see more people signing up for it. River Devora is going to be teaching it. And mm-hmm. she will be talking about a quick history of Jewishness mm-hmm. and then giving you resources because it's, you know, it's a three hour thing. So obviously you can't learn everything in that time, but she'll wet your whistle and then give you some resources to continue exploring. And after that, we will have a panel with various pagans in the various people who associate with being pagan and Jewish. And then we will be talking about their lived experiences and how to be better allies to them. And then River will also be teaching a bit about how to recognize anti-Semitism and cultural appropriation of the Jewish culture in our wider pagan world, because we don't even know how anti-Semitic it is until you start looking for it. Right. Wow. That's very exciting. I mean, I know I'm signed up for it. So then, then that rolls into your your conference of the the whole thing so who will be our first person if you will god that we talk about in that and and where can people find more about that after you tell us who that is i want to just go real quick back because i'm so excited about the anti-semitism conference yeah everybody to know that it's on a sliding scale of one to forty dollars oh okay all of the money taken in goes to pay for the presenters and the panelists and possibly if I need, I don't know, like a graphics person or anything like that, everybody gets paid except for me. Uh, Lancy Sky takes no profit. 
and we pay fair wages to all our presenters and all our conferences and classes, but specifically the the people doing these really important, like anti-Semitic, racist, domestic violence, we want to pay them for that kind of emotional labor, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very accessible. You get a recording, you get a live ticket to the live event, and then you get a resource packet to take back to your community. And we're really flexible. Like say your coven wants to buy a ticket, that's fine. And then you guys can all sit around, have a little potluck and learn something together. So we're very flexible. We we just want to fill the seats for the Mm anti-Semitic and pagan awareness class. It's not a for-profit adventure. So we really just want to get as many people there and get this information out there as possible. Now, on to our first conference. It'll be about breed. And we had our first breed conference. It was what kicked off the year with the God's Conference last year. And it was just so amazing from the very first moment. I mean, I've done some online conferencing and other venues and I've done in-person stuff. So it was all the stuff I'd done, but to have it be my big baby and have it all together Mm -hmm. felt extremely overwhelming and um, nerve-wracking, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm going to do, instead of just announcing one conference, I'm like, I'm doing a year, y'all. We're going to do eight conferences. Here we go. So the first breed one, I've been like, you know, we probably should start off with prayers because I kind of wanted these to be hands-on and devotional. So I'm like, hey, uh, Sister Poppy, my, my friend Poppy, I need you to, to help me. Will you do like a prayer or a song or something? I think we should have like a prayer or a song or something. Because that would be nice, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, she came in and she sang. She stood up in front of the camera and sang her soul out. And then I look up and I just wanted to be kind of sweet, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, we just invoked Breed into my living room and who knows who else's living room. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I get back on thing and I'm sobbing. So now the first time people have really seen me, I am sobbing because this song is just so beautiful. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I'm sobbing, too. And it was just the most beautiful, wonderful conference. I had a vision of what I wanted to bring up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, we can meet. This will be okay. This will be good. Nobody will leave disappointed. And what my presenters and my host and my friends who helped out did was so beyond what I had ever imagined possible and set the bar so high for all the other conferences that it was just the most beautiful thing. And we had so much more to talk about with Breed. So kind of in honor of her, we're doing another one to kick off this year as well. So we're having um, Gemma McGowan out. We're having Mail Breege. We're having Morgan Daimler, Aaron Laurie, and John, our friend John O'Sullivan, who's an Irish storyteller. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we have each conference, we feature a new face, at least one new face that you aren't going to see everywhere else because I've been doing this for 20 years. I love all our big name people or a lot of them, but you know, there are other people doing a lot of really exciting stuff. And it's nice to be able to invite them to come and speak because they've got something to say too. Yeah. Yeah. So Orla Castello, who is a (laughs) Catholic pagan and a devoted follower of breed on both paths, will be talking about how she worships breed throughout the year on the day-to-day and then the grander scale. And it sounds amazing. So lots of things are going on with that conference. And then, so then you'll continue to do that eight more times during the year. Yep. And we can find more about that on Lancy Sky Travel. Yes. Dot com. If you want the specific upcoming events tabs, it's Lancy Sky Travel backslash liminal dash travel backslash. Fantastic. Yeah. Do you, I have a, um, a question. 
you um so there are eight sabbats in kind of the witch's year mm-hmm. do you find that you're kind of trying to not necessarily align the different conferences around each one but are you oh last year that was a bigger focus okay that was definitely a focus because i know i like to celebrate the sabbaths i was a very serious pagan who did all the things that a very serious pagan should do right <laughs> when i was growing up like oh man I, I did all the things but then i had a baby and after I had a baby, I realized that most days, most Sabbaths, I'd just be like, why is everyone sending me happy Samhain messages? What is this? Oh, shit, it's Samhain. <laughs> and then I would make pancakes, and then my son and I would, like, take something from nature and glue it to something else from nature and kind mm-hmm. of make a that, – that was our Sabbath. And I realized that was a much better and more fun way to go about this, right? Yeah. So this is kind of – the first year was eight – ones like a week or two before the Sabbath mm-hmm. and we talked about the Sabbaths and we included them. And that was kind of my practice that year was that was what I did to kind of start gearing up towards it. Not as much this year. I got a lot out of that alignment last year, but it kind of wasn't our most amazing thing for others. Gotcha. I don't, I don't know if others people even picked up on it on a deep level, except mm-hmm. at Samhain and Beltane. So this mm-hmm. year we've kind of moved to more uh, what everybody loved last year was the Bardic. Mm-hmm. Every time somebody sang, every time somebody told a story, people just lost their minds. So this year we have a bardic storytelling, and that's kind of what we're focusing on is things like that. Awesome. I love yeah. that idea. But they still vaguely follow the wheel of the year, kind of. So. Gotcha. Wow. So much. Sounds like we've got a lot to process and a lot to explore. <laughs> Yes, and I think that our listeners are going to really enjoy this event with Vivian and also with all of the many presenters coming up throughout the year. I know it was very helpful for my particular path and just made it that much stronger. It also gave me a lot of resources that I would never have had access to. As Vivian said, she brought in voices. Some of them were not new to her, but they might have been new to the people who were joining the conference. And I think that if this is something that you are all interested in, this is definitely a way to up, you, if you will, your ante in your spirituality and your path. So where can we find you in person or on the web? Oh, my. So in person, I will be at PantheaCon and Mystic South this year. At PantheaCon, I will be splitting my time between the Cauldron of the Celt Suite and Koru Suite. And if you go into either of them, say, where's Vivian? Somebody there should be able to track me down. Online, you can find me on Facebook. We have quite a presence. We have event pages for every single one of our events that kind of lists times and people and what the classes are and all of that, where to sign up. We have a website, which we're going to be expanding, and we're trying to move everybody to a mailing list, and we're trying to get that up and going because, well, Facebook is kind of the devil, right? So we're trying to move away from that because I'm having really conflicting feelings about supporting it so much. So we're trying to get people onto the mailing list and do a lot of fun stuff there. If I can just do one more shout out for my year with the God stuff. I want people to know that I know I personally was very young when I joined paganism and I thought I was exciting and had a lot to say. And I think older folks have a lot to say and I feel they're left out a lot. So to kind of combat that, we warmly welcome anybody under 21 and over 71 to attend any of our conferences for free, regardless of their financial situation or anything else. If you are under 21 or over 71, you write to me and you can go to one conference, you can go to all my conferences completely free of charge. And then we're doing the same thing with women of color to make sure they feel very warmly welcome to all of our events. And where would they be able to email you at? 
uh, Vivian at LandSeaSkyTravel.com. My name is spelled V-Y-V-I-A-N-E. And anywhere you find Land Sea Sky Travel online, you can also just click and be like, hey, I want this for free. Give it to me. And I will. And we don't pant check or anything. So you just write in. You don't have to write in, like, all your details. Just be like, I want this, and then I send it to you. So. And that's wonderful, and it's a great way to connect to also community when you may not have it in your own backyard, too. That's Mm -hmm. what I love about it. That's why I wanted to make sure we had you on and got to do that at the beginning so that people could join in now. Yep. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming out to all the conferences. It's really nice having you out. And hopefully we can talk you, Sally Rosen, to maybe doing a few more things with us. We're chatting. Yeah. So thank you, Vivian, for coming out and chatting with us and taking some time this morning to share all of the beauty and joy that you are putting out into the world. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, please find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions U.S., or follow us on Twitter at tarot underscore visions.